Sunday Morning Magazine. Remember, all the information you need to know about the show can always be found on social media. Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Or you can listen to the show anytime you like. Hit to your favorite podcast app anywhere you get your podcasts and subscribe to Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear. In the studio with me now, we're joined by Dan Vu. He's a partner at the law firm of Cooper Adel Vu. It's our pleasure to welcome Dan Vu to Sunday Morning Magazine. Good morning, Dan. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing great. So tell us about the law firm. Yeah, we're a statewide law firm, seven offices. We focus primarily on estate planning. Uh, Many of us are also certified elder law attorneys, uh, so certified specially in dealing with issues relating to the elderly, everything from making sure people have wills, power of attorneys, healthcare, power of attorneys, trusts, uh, to dealing with the crisis that happens when a loved one goes into a nursing home and how to deal with that cost. So estate planning, a lot of people, they hear that and they run and hide, right? They're fearful. Um, Why are people so fearful or the thought of estate planning? Why is that so fearful for most people? Sure. I mean, talking about death is never fun, right? And talking about estate planning requires usually to think about death and what happens after you're gone and how the people are going to react after you're gone. It's just not a pleasant conversation you want to have. Um, And for a lot of my clients, it's the decisions you have to make in estate planning. They're just not ready to make it yet. Who's going to be their executor? Who's going to inherit their estate? How are you going to deal with the house and the belongings? And those are decisions they like to put off. Okay, so let me ask you this now. You're talking about their estate and their belongings, but someone listening this morning um, that may be saying something like, I'm just getting by, you know, do I really need to plan for my estate or whatever? Is that something that everyone should plan to do? Yeah, everybody has an estate, whether that's your car, your house, your bank account, even if it's your bank account with a $5 balance at the end of the month, you have an estate. (laughs) Uh, Of course, the level of complexity of estate planning changes, uh, the more assets you have, the different levels of assets you have, but everybody should have an estate plan. Um, I you know, am one of those many attorneys who didn't do estate planning until much later uh, than I probably should have, and I realized pretty quickly, but I have a son, you know, I have a wife. I need to make sure that they're taken care of, but the very least have my assets uh, go to them with as little problem as possible. Whatever those assets might be, you should do an estate plan. So this is something I learned about estate planning. It's when Michael Jackson died, right? So he had a will and he had a trust, right? Yeah. So what's the difference? I know the trust had something to do with the kids and things like that. So explain to us very briefly, without going too far over our head, the difference between a will and a trust. Oh, boy. Oh, well, you know, I would say— Break it down for us. Just make it simple. Will is for probate court. The will divides up assets through what's called a probate court process. A trust, among many other things, uh, one of its most important role is to avoid the public probate process. So a trust that's uh, being administered at death is not public. It's private, and you get to find out a lot less about it, and it avoids the more, I think, uh, not only public but more expensive process of probate at death. Okay, so when you do the will, is it everything is public? Everything in the will is public. That's okay, correct. Okay, so anybody can go see if you have a will. People are nosy, right? <laughs> That's right. I, you know, I have my workshops and seminars. I tell people, uh, go to Hamlin County Clerk of Court's website and type in Margaret Schott. You can find her entire will, her estate inventory, the names and addresses of the nieces and nephews who are inheriting her estate. 
Uh, it's all public. Therefore, if you did a trust, that information is not public. The information is private in a trust. Uh, you don't need to go through the year-long, in many cases, year-long plus process of probate after death. Okay. So let's talk about the purpose of a will. Let's back up and talk more about that. What is the purpose? Sure. A will is to divide up the assets in your probate estate, to name the executor, the person you want in charge of that estate, to divide it up. But at our firm, we want the purpose of the will to be uh, very little to nothing. We don't want people to die and only have a will manage their estate because then it's all through public and it's all probate. When I tell a client to get a will, I, I want them to have an updated valid will just in case, but I tell them, let's try to never use this will. And Ronnie, I don't mean that let's try not to die because I haven't figured that out yet. What right. I mean is let's avoid probate court and that will is actually never even used or presented to probate court and is never public. Okay. So what happens if you don't have a will? If you don't have a will, you pass away, and let's say you have assets going through probate court, then there's a different type of probate that occurs. They call it an intestate probate estate, which let's just say it is a more complicated, uh, a lengthier, more expensive probate than a probate with a will. But will or no will, you're still going through probate court unless you've taken steps to avoid probate. Okay, let's say... Aunt Sarah Jane dies, just says to me, oh, when I pass, I'm going to give you my car. And so sure. when she passes, you don't automatically get her car. <laughs> you don't. You, you go through either a probate process right. unless your aunt was wise enough to avoid probate on that car. For example, she could have went to the title division and had that car made transfer on death to you, which bypasses probate court bypasses the will and would more automatically go to you. You would go to take a death certificate to the title division and that car would be yours. Okay, good. Good information. Now, from what I understand, Dan, um, life insurance, IRA accounts, and jointly owned property are not part of a will. Is that true or not? That's generally true because those assets usually have beneficiaries designated on them. And a beneficiary avoids a beneficiary designation or a survivorship designation avoids probate court. So wills, uh, which is a very common misconception, they don't cover everything. They only cover what goes through the probate process. A life insurance with a beneficiary on it avoids probate. A house that's survivorship with your spouse avoids probate. Um, and so those don't go through probate court. That car that your aunt may transfer on death to you avoids probate. And so the will would not cover it. Okay, good. Now, what are some of the biggest mistakes you see people make when it comes to their will? Now, they have an intelligent attorney like yourself, so the, that's not going to happen in your case. But sure. for you look at other pieces of paper, you see other wills. What are some of the biggest mistakes people make? I think over-reliance on that will. They think that, okay, I'm going to change my will to do this or this, but that they don't realize that will only controls what goes through probate court. If they really want their son to not receive their inheritance for whatever reason, changing their will is not enough. They need to change their IRA beneficiary, their life insurance beneficiary, to make sure that the assets that avoid probate also don't go to that individual or go to that individual that they're trying to add to the will. Okay, so that's a will. Let's move over to trust. Uh, trust. Explain the purpose there. Yeah, I think the initial purpose for a trust for most people is to avoid probate, uh, avoid the will having to go through probate court. 
Now, I, I just explained those some ways to avoid probate without a trust, like beneficiary designations and TODs, what they call transfer on death, or PODs, payable on death. So a trust, in my opinion, is a better way of avoiding probate than beneficiary designations alone. Uh, if you would permit me, let me go, go through an example. Let's say you made your house transfer on death, which is a way to avoid probate in Ohio on a property to your three kids. The problem with that, the, the positive, we avoided probate. The negative is all three kids at your death now have to work together to sell the home, uh, pay the property taxes, insurance together, agree on when to sell it, who to sell it to, how much to sell it for, and how to deal with the personal belongings in the home. And then in Ohio, we have this crazy thing called dower rights on real estate, which means that the spouses of those children have to agree to all that too and must sign that closing. In a trust, you can name one trustee to do all of that for you. And they get to do it much like an executor in a will could do it without having everybody have to sign. Is that a third party or is that, that it could be one of the you kids? You know, it could be one of the kids. Okay. A lot of attorneys would say it shouldn't be one of the kids. I'm kind of the opposite there. I think it should be one of the kids. As long as they're trustworthy, then they could be a trustee. And it should be one of the kids because they have the same interests as the other beneficiaries. Let's do this efficiently. Let's do this uh, and sell the home as much as possible versus just trying to get rid of it for the lowest dollar to get rid of the asset and be done with it. They have the same interests as the other beneficiaries to get the most out of it. So um, as we talk about the difference between a will and a trust, it seems that the trust seems to be more um, effective in most cases. Is there a cost and why don't people do the trust versus the will? Is it just a matter of being educated or what what do we say? Or is it more costly? Definitely a little bit of all of that. A a will is going to be cheaper up front, right? You might pay a few hundred bucks to get a will. You can probably go on a online and download a will and, and hopefully execute it according to the rules. I heard you can get one from a drugstore. <laughs> Maybe, you know, right? You, you, you get wills. doesn't per- quite sound right to yeah, me, but right. Probably Staples probably sure. has a will package. Um, so it's definitely cheaper to get a will. Uh, and a trust, you're going to generally use an attorney. You're just going to have the uh, upfront attorney expenses. But overall, after you consider the cost of probate after death, the trust, if, if used correctly, if it if uh, if funded correctly, the trust will avoid probate and overall actually save assets for the family. And in case you're just tuning in, we're speaking to Dan Vu. He is partner at Cooper Edel Vu Law Firm. He's here this morning to talk about estate planning. Remember, more information about the show, more information about the guests can be found on Facebook, Sunday Morning Magazine with Rodney Lear on Facebook. Like, follow, and share. Instagram and Twitter at Rodney Lear on air. Now, let's move on. Let's talk about power of attorney. Explain to us what that means and what that encompasses. Oh, that's a good question. So there are two types of power of attorney in most states, like Ohio. A general durable power of attorney designed for financial decision-making, legal decision-making, and then a general durable healthcare power of attorney designed for healthcare. On the more common one that people ask me about, which is the power of attorney for financial and legal, that power of attorney uh, by law generally allows the person you appoint to do everything you could do so long it was it's being done for their benefit. So if I'm my mom's power of attorney and she's unable to pay bills at this point in her life, I can access her bank accounts, her IRAs, make withdrawals on her behalf, pay her bills on her behalf. As long as I have do it in her best interest, then I'm within the rules of a uh, normal power of attorney. Okay, and what about the medical power of attorney? Um, the medical power of attorney, healthcare power of attorney is important too. Uh, 
the during the uh, time when you couldn't be in the hospital with your uh, family members because of COVID, you couldn't be in the nursing homes with the family members because of COVID. Having a healthcare power of attorney at a point ahead of time was very helpful because that healthcare power of attorney could call the doctors, have the legal right to have access to the medical records, and of course, if you can't make your own medical decisions, you probably want to appoint somebody to be able to do that for you that you've chosen that thinks the same way as you do in terms of medical decisions. So we talked about the do-it-yourself forms. What are your thoughts there? Because there are power of attorney do-it-yourself forms too sure. as well. Absolutely. The problem is You that pay for what you get, right? Not only, <laughs> yes, not only that, but you need advice and, and, and counsel because there are different levels of powers within power of attorney. I gave you the, the ones that most power of attorneys have, but that's not a good fit for everybody. Some people need additional powers in the power of attorney not normally found for different reasons. And so you do need legal advice before you just sign any type of power of attorney. I'll give you a few examples. There are power of attorneys that are effective immediately because you trust them so much, you don't want to burden the spouse who's your power of attorney to jump through hoops to have you declared incapacitated before they could use it. You want them to be able to use it immediately if something happens to you. And then there are people who should have what we call springing power of attorneys. They are not effective immediately. You cannot use them until you prove that the person you're using it for is mentally incompetent with, let's say, a, a doctor's letter or two. And so does that fit your situation? Well, you should get some professional legal advice. Uh, the one last uh, thing I could warn people on power of attorneys is uh, there are power of attorneys that are more powerful than uh, normal power of attorneys that you might get uh, from your general practice attorney, you might get online. And as a certified elder law attorney, we do these power of attorneys that are very powerful. I call it a powerful power of attorney. Now these are, uh, in the wrong hands, could be dangerous. It's a power of attorney that says, my spouse who's my power of attorney can use my assets not only for my benefit, she can take it from me to my financial detriment and give it to herself. Now, you got to remember, I love my wife. We've been married for a long time. I'm not worried about her taking all my money and running away. So why would I want to give her that power? Well, if I had a stroke, if I uh, was in a nursing home where the bill was $10,000 a month, and I, she could help qualify me for some Medicaid benefit to help pay for that care, but Medicaid saying, hey, you have to spend down your husband's XYZ asset before he qualifies for that, that powerful power of attorney would give her the power to take that asset from me and exempt it from her, for herself so that I could qualify for Medicaid without impoverishing her because I have all the assets in my name for whatever reason, maybe because I was the working spouse. And again, this morning, we're speaking to attorney Dan Vu. Now, very quickly, Dan, I'm going to mention a few categories. What advice would you offer from a state planning standpoint in these areas, starting with people who own small businesses, small business owners? Business owners need to think about their business without them there one day, which is hard to do. A lot of small business owners, in their mind, they are the business. And without them, there is no business. But the reality is that you need to have a succession plan in place. When something happens to you, who does your business go to? Um, if you have an LLC, who, who owns that interest at your death? Does it have to go through the will, through a probate process before it can go to your spouse or your kids or your loved ones? Or should you do something to avoid the probate process, set up the operating agreement in your business so that it more automatically passes to the next person you want to take over the business? 
All right, good information. Um, what if you're an unmarried couple living together? Yes, and you know the that that's a common that was more of a common problem before for your same-sex couples who before uh, could not marry legally. And so they, they would come to us and ask, what do we do? We're not married. We don't have those rights that married individual has. But even today with a lot of uh, individuals not getting married for whatever reason, they still have a significant other they want to make sure is taken care of or has the right to make decisions on their behalf. It's more important for them than anyone to have those power of attorneys in place healthcare power of attorneys in place, wills or trusts in place to make sure that loved one has access to their assets or the ability to make decisions on their behalf. Okay. So when people come to you and they say, you know, I want to have a um, estate planning plan, um, what information should they, should they take stock of what, you know, I have three persons that I want my <laughs> granddaughters to have. How specific do they need to be? And do they need to take inventory of the things that they have before they come see you? Absolutely. Yeah, we, we ask for uh, a rough knowledge of their uh, assets because it's the small stuff that people forget about that end up causing a problem after death, like the... Uh, car that's in the garage that they've been working on forever, but don't think it's very valuable to them right now. I want to see the title to that vehicle so that I can make sure that vehicle avoids probate, not for its value, but just to avoid the hassle for the person who has to inherit it and has to deal with it. Even if it's just them getting rid of it or junk, uh, putting it in the junkyard, making sure that title is taken care of and their estate plan is important. So I ask for information on all assets. Um, I ask a lot of questions about their family and who gets along with who, because that makes a big <laughs> di- difference in what I might recommend. All right, good. If our listeners would like to reach out to you, how can they reach out to you, Dan? They can certainly uh, see, uh, visit our website. Our contact information is there. That's www.cooperadelvu.com. Cooper is C-O-O-P-E-R. Adel is A-D-E-L. Vu is V-U.com. So, Dan, we began our conversation earlier this morning talking about those who had fears about setting up an estate plan. What would you say to those individuals? Sure. A lot of times it's because of the inability to make a decision of what they want to do and who they want to leave things to or who they want in charge of their estate plan. Uh, I have a, in my office a quote that says, the, the road of life is paved with flat squirrels who cannot make a decision. So I ask them, don't be that flat squirrel. Make a decision. A decision is better than none. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking time to talk to us. Again, how can we reach out to you? The website's a great way. We do free informational workshops about once a month in the Cincinnati and uh, uh, in northern Kentucky area. That's www.cooperadelvu.com. We've been speaking to a state planning attorney, Dan Vu. We'll be back with more Sunday Morning Magazine right after this.